Successful individuals use coaching and mentorship to help them unlock their potential. Not all coaches are created equal, and that's why we work with the top 5% of coaches at IdeaMix. Welcome to Coaches You Need, brought to you by IdeaMix. Hello. Today we're in conversation with Katie Harwich. Katie, it's great to have you on the show. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful way to spend my day. <laughs> Especially on a rainy day. Especially on a rainy day. And, and I mean, it's so cozy in here. And we've just been talking for like three hours before this. So yes. I feel very, True. very cozy and at home. <laughs> wonderful. So, um, Katie, you had a wonderful way in which you introduced yourself. And I want to play this quick clip for our listeners um, to really hear how you introduce yourself in your own words. Let's take a quick look. Katie Horwich. My name is Katie Horwich. I am a writer. I am a speaker. I'm a mindset coach. I'm the founder of WANT, Women Against Negative Talk, a platform that gives you tips, tools, motivation, and inspiration to shift your self-talk patterns. Let's get this show on the Road. My name is Katie Horwich, and I have spoken around the globe about shifting your self-talk, that internal narrative that tells you who you are and how you fit into the world. The phenomenal. Oh my gosh. She will literally set your soul on fire. So, so Katie, tell us about the germ, the idea that made you found want women against negative self-talk <laughs> and what negative self-talk really is. Yeah, I, you know, I think that one leads directly into the other. So yeah. I'll start with your second question. Yeah. Self-talk in general is the narrative that we have going on internally 24-7 that tells us who we are and who we believe ourselves to be out in the world. Yeah. So negative self-talk is sort of where the self-talk takes a dark turn. And it's the self-talk, the internal narrative that belittles who we are, what we do, how we fit into the world. That's where the self-doubt comes from. Lots of fears. People sometimes talk about limiting beliefs. These can all be grouped under this sort of blanket umbrella term of negative self-talk. Yeah. So for me, when I first started Want Women Against Negative Talk, there's a short answer, and then there's the bit longer real answer. So the short Let's answer is a real one, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, the short answer is that I noticed I've been aware of my self-talk my entire life. Yeah. And I always had a lot of self-confidence, but I like to say the lens that I viewed that self-confidence through was all tarnished and muddy. So I believed that to have confidence in yourself was synonymous with narcissism, vanity, all of these negative skewing terms that uh, really were focused on women when I was growing up. Uh, because a lot of these things, having a lot of confidence or pride in yourself when it came to uh, basically anyone other than a man. Yeah. It was something that you were supposed to dim down and make smaller. Right. And what I realized is that there was no place that was really talking about self-talk as a whole yeah. and how to shift your self-talk in a real lasting way beyond 
affirmations and one-off things that made you feel good. And a lot of the self-talk, confidence-building focused platforms that I could find at the time were focused on body image. Right. Um, Which many of us know who have struggled with body image issues is that it's really about more than the bot and just that yeah the side note which is part of the longer answer is that i thought of the idea back in 2007 right so i was 21 years old and at the time i was struggling speaking of body body image issues i was struggling with a host of eating and body related disorders And what I was struggling with didn't fall under the terms that were used to describe eating disorders at the time. Yeah. Um, I struggled with something called orthorexia, which is basically an unhealthy focus on health (laughs) amongst exercise bulimia, um, body dysmorphia. Like I said, a whole host of things. Okay. And I remember seeing the first Dove Real Bodies commercial. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. With like the white underwear, all of the women. Yeah. It was like the first um, confidence building advertisement, like any sort of media campaign. Yeah. We take those for granted now, but that was new at the time. And I remember when I saw that. Yeah. I had this, these three thoughts. It was like a boom, boom, boom type thing. And I thought, this is incredible. This is revolutionary. I've never seen anything like this. And then I thought, well, this ad is telling me that I should love myself and love my body and love myself exactly as I am. Yeah. What happens when I don't? Right. And what happens when I can't just tell myself that thing? Yeah. And then I thought, I'm going to start up, I think I called it an awareness campaign at the time. I'm going to start an awareness campaign that is helping women shift their self-talk, giving them tips and tools and motivation and inspiration. I'm going to call it Want Women Against Negative Talk. That all came to me within like five seconds. But it was 2007. Yeah. I was 21. And it's not so much about age, but I was still within my own struggle. So I basically saw the idea that... I wanted in my life, but I didn't know how to deliver that yet because I needed it so badly. Totally. And so when it came back into my mind years later, and I had gotten older, gotten more experience, um, worked through many of my eating and body-related issues, Yeah. I realized that I had the tools to now implement this idea that I had all of those years ago. And I felt confident and self-assured enough to be very clear with what I knew and what I didn't know. Yeah. Because I think I mean, that can be a problem in, sometimes. And and in it, I think in everything we do, we have to slay our own demons before we can teach others to slay theirs. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that for a lot of our listeners, for myself, I was much more of a traditional eating disorder patient than you were. It was all all of the sort of problems that were classified as right. an eating disorder. And so much of it had to do, all of it had to do with negative self-talk, mm-hmm. right? That That you never considered, even if you presented with a very 
externally self-confident manner, Mm -hmm. you didn't actually believe that in yourself. Right. And so in the private moments, and then the food was just a mechanism, right? You're you're always critiquing yourself and you're always finding yourself wanting of whatever it is you're seeking. Mm -hmm. And um, it really is like a total mindset shift rather than telling yourself, oh, I shouldn't do this because there were lots of moments when we all, when when we were in those phases, told ourselves and knew that we shouldn't do it but didn't know how to not do it. Yeah, and there's a difference between logically knowing something and actually being able to implement it. Totally. And, and, yeah, I mean, that's that's in the end um, coaching and behavioral change yeah. and, and finding a new way of being in yourself. Yeah. Right? And commitment, commitment to a new to that new way of being, because it can be really scary to start something new, even if, like I said, like, you know, logically that it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. It can be really hard to start something new because you don't know. you don't know if it's going to work. It's unfamiliar. And so a lot of times what can happen is we stay in these negative self-talk loops, not necessarily because we want to be there or that we want to believe these things, but it's habit. But that there's no option Mm -hmm. in a sense. Exactly. Right. We're trapped in it um, until we find the mechanism to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so much of that, I think, revolves around fearlessness. Mm-hmm. And I want to take a quick look at the way that you described fearlessness. Let's take a quick listen. Fearlessness is not about not being scared. Fearlessness is when the fear is less than the faith. That sounds like a really cute, pretty, flowy, poetic, tweetable, and believe you me, I have tweeted it out many times, but it's also an equation. Lowering your fear is hard. Fear is a human emotion and it exists for an important reason. Life is all freaking over the place. However, upping your faith is a different story. So many times we just think of this high, high, and we think that we're supposed to be there all of the time. Life is up, it's down, it's in between. If you can start to notice the reasons that you already have to have faith in yourself, it loops right here, you think you're going up, but oh, fake out, and you're still going down. Slowly but surely, those reasons pile up, and the scales start to tip from the fear toward the faith. Kitty, you talked a lot in that clip about being fearless on the day-to-day and learning to sort of take life's up and downs in stride and not be too uh, sort of affected, right, by them. How do you empower yourself to do that on a daily basis? Mm. So the idea of fearlessness, so the fear that you have of, situation yeah. thing is less than the faith that you have in yourself. I found that that's a very grounding North Star yeah. for me, if you will. And fearlessness, a lot of people will talk about fearlessness as feeling the fear and doing it anyway, right? which I think can be useful yeah. as well. I'm not going to bash that whole phrase, especially if it works for people who are watching or listening. Yeah. Um, and also, I really believe that we need multiple tools in our toolkit 
when it comes to things like developing fearlessness, confidence, dealing with self-doubt. So for me, what I like to do when I'm feeling that fear start to come up is I give myself actual what I call faith points Mm -hmm. for myself. Yeah. So that's stuff that so that's stuff that feels like I can trust. Right. It's stuff that feels real, that feels tangible. It's not stuff that I'm reaching out of the air yeah. to make myself believe. So yeah. for example, yeah. I have not recorded a podcast in person in a very, very long, long time. <laughs> And so I felt when I was planning out my week and I knew that I was going to be coming here, I started to feel that little flicker of fear right. come up and right. think, oh my gosh, like, I hope, I hope Sam likes me. <laughs> I hope I do well. I hope I'm not tripping over my words. And it's really easy and very natural to get caught in that place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's what you've, what you've sort of articulated and identified is... And and it's interesting because I don't know if you've read um, Dr. Lisa Demore's book, um, which was about uh, stress and anxiety in young women. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she talks about in that book is at, she was working as a school psychologist at a couple of different high schools in Los Angeles, actually. And she talked about um, young women coming in, um, you know, saying, I'm super stressed about an exam I have tomorrow. Yeah. And where a lot of adult responses are generally to say, oh, don't be stressed. Right, right. right. Like that helps. Like that helps. <laughs> yeah. um, her approach was, okay, I understand that you're stressed and it totally makes sense. What is it? Let's talk through what you can do to diminish that stress. Like what's the actual roadmap of how you're going to feel less stressed about this exam tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? And And I think that, tactical practical sort of what am i going to do for a second and third mm-hmm. is what is something that's very difficult for us to do on our own in a vacuum yeah right like even though we know the goal it's very hard to identify the path to get there mm-hmm. and talking learning or teaching ourselves to to sort of step back at that moment and say hang on let me just think about this hey and i can think it through and identify steps you know a b yeah. and c to then overcome that fear. Yeah. Right. Or just thinking, okay, what do I know? Yeah. What do I know? Like, let's go back to this the very real time yes. example. I know that I have been doing this for 15 years. Yeah. So whatever we talk about, I'm not going to be scrambling for words. I know that I have that experience behind me. Totally. I also know that I very simple. I have outfits that I like to wear that I, I know I will feel comfortable because I'm wearing an outfit that I love. I know that I know how to speak on a mic on camera because I've been doing that for even longer. I come from a, a theater background. Right. Um, so just pulling these small little things that feel inconsequential. Yeah. And that sometimes is a really great in Yes. For doing exactly what you talked about, which is the next step of, okay, what's my game plan? So what am I going to do about it? Right. Yeah. It's putting together, it's sort of taking these puzzle pieces that you have within yourself and mm-hmm. actually combining them into a coherent, 
image or plan yeah, of how you're yeah. going to tackle something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You've had some experience with coaching yourself. You also mm-hmm. coach others mm-hmm. extensively. How did coaching impact you in helping you to kind of put aside or put down the negative self-talk? Of -hmm. course, for any of us who've suffered from this, it constantly arises. Mm -hmm. It's not ever going to sort of disappear into the void. But we evolve in the tools, as you said, that we use Mm -hmm. to slay those demons. So tell me about that. So I'm someone who I feel like I came out of the womb self-aware. I have, there, there is there is no lacking in self-awareness right. in me. And yeah. so, which is a wonderful quality to have and also can. It's um, also a burden. Yeah, it can, it can be really, really hard sometimes. And so what was really useful for me when it comes to getting my own support yeah. is to recognize exactly what I need. And if I didn't know what I needed, that's, that's valid as well. Um, because what I see sometimes in people who talk about coaching and they're like, well, I haven't really noticed a difference or haven't seen a thing. Um, you hear this a lot also with therapists. People will say, well, I didn't really notice a difference. You also, as the person who is being coached, have to show up just as much as the person who is coaching you and you have to be willing to to be honest and also it's a practice in asking for what you need so for example I was on a call with a coach of mine a few weeks ago and I was struggling through I'm I'm writing a book right now I'm in the midst of finishing up my manuscript and that's a very insular isolating experience sometimes And I realized that I needed in my life a little bit more of a sense of community, but I didn't want to go so far in the other direction that I completely neglected all the good that I had going. Right. Um, And so I said that to my coach and I said, look, I understand what's going on. Here's where I believe it comes from. Um, I would love to figure out some tools that maybe I could use in this time? And also, like, is there anything that you're noticing that I'm not noticing? Right. So that for me on the the coach, the coachy end yes. has been really, really important. Yeah. And then on the coaching end, um, I find that it's so vital for coaches to go, or at least for me as a coach, to go, into a a session with a client with a blank slate. Um, first of all, I take notes during my sessions. Yeah, I like to remember. I want to re- remember names. Yeah, I remember important details. Certain words that they've said that are like important to them. So just bare bones, um, like stuff yeah. that I go into the session with, and then. I do not assume that the issues, struggles, situations that were going on in the last session are happening this session. Right. 
Um, I think that that's, you know, that's where the importance of the blank slate comes. In. Yeah. My yeah. dad always says that it's a very dad joke that to um, assume is to make an ass out of you and me. Yeah. Um, he's not wrong. Yeah. Um, and then really working with people to help them come to their own conclusions and help support them with strategies and systems to make however they want to be or whatever they want to do sustainable like i don't go in as a coach um thinking that i have all the answers what i do go in is with is the intention to help the person that i'm coaching ask better more nuanced more useful questions if that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense i think in the end what you're going in with is a framework Mm -hmm. right that you can use and and the reason the framework I think is so important for coaches is as a coachee, you are there with a problem and sometimes people just want an answer, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of times people will just say, well, I just want, you know, someone to tell me what to do so I can just right. solve this problem, right? And in a sense... That's such an unproductive path because someone telling you what to do might solve your problem in the immediate term, Mm -hmm. but it's again given you no tools to tackle a problem when it arises next. Yes. And I think the purpose and the importance of coaching and the framework ultimately is teaching you those tools so that when you confront that situation the next time, or even in this moment when you're in a situation, you're asking yourself the right questions, listening to the answers, and then behaving accordingly. Exactly. I mean, it goes back to how I approach self-talk is you can't just replace one word with another word. Yeah. Yes, maybe if you're writing a paper and one word expresses your thoughts better than another word, but to go from I don't believe in myself to I believe in myself, that's putting words first and that's band-aiding words on top of the situation and so in order to shift your self-talk you really the talk comes secondary it's the self part where the real lasting changes come and it's tough work but that's like the groundwork for the self house that you're building you know do you feel and this may be anecdata on my part but it feels like as women, mm-hmm. we suffer from this problem a whole lot more than men do. Is that your impression? You know, it's so interesting because I get so many men who will come to me and be like, we go through this also. Like, we, we deal with low self-image and self-worth and self-doubt. And um, my experience is that all genders experience negative self-talk. Um, historically, women's negative self-talk has been reinforced more, um, and reinforced in very subtle ways through, I mean, even just looking at advertisements and the words used to describe a cream, it's an anti-aging cream. So anti, we are anti-aging. Aging, Aging, not bad. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um... There are some incredible men who are doing this type of work 
um, focusing on men. Yeah. You know, Justin Baldoni is one of those people. He has a fantastic podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I choose to focus on women because not only is that the experience that I have, yeah. um, and I also find that women so many times start to lead the charge for change yes in whatever area they're in Mm -hmm. in life and so if women can start to shift their self-talk and look we we all take cues from each other so if you are holding yourself in a certain way doing certain things speaking of yourself in a certain way i'm going to take note of that and i'm going to start to feel more comfortable and more permission to be that way myself yeah and then that creates this ripple effect where what we do is not in a silo and we i mean we learn best not from books but from each other yeah from engagement and from conversation and in Mm -hmm. groups and Mm -hmm. with the benefit of of different perspectives i so agree do you think is is negative self-talk something that is age-related in any way? Like, do you find um, when people are in their late teens, 20s, is it more of a problem in a sense, you know, there's there's not as much experience there in, mm-hmm. in kind of navigating the world. But yeah. is there any kind of pattern that you observe like that? I mean, it's interesting because it, yes, no, and, and kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A very wide variation of that answer. Um, Negative self-talk is something that I've noticed is it transcends age or life stage. Um, The things that you're negative self-talking about might change throughout time. Yeah. Um, But the one commonality that I do find is that the earlier you start down the negative self-talk path and like aren't really taking proactive steps to build that sense of of self and that proactive sense of self um like we were talking before the stronger the habit gets yes and so it becomes something that we don't even realize that we're doing and there's a term that i that i use called casual negativity and it's the negative self-talk that we use so emotionless that it's like commenting on the weather we're yeah. like the sky is blue i'm so untalented you know the stuff yeah. that we don't even think, think about. about and so while i would say that negative self-talk like i said transcends age yeah. it is something that the longer you're saying something to yourself the more you the, begin to believe it. Yeah, and the more it's it's lodged into your head and your heart as just something that I say, yeah. something that I am. And um, that's why I am passionate about working with all ages, any and all people. Um, but when I get someone who is in a transitional point mm-hmm. in their life, and that could be someone who just graduated college, who is about to hit maybe a, what has been socially deemed a milestone birthday, 30, right. 40, 50, someone wants to create a career change. That's when it's 
like I get even more excited about it because it's a sign to me that they are ready to do something differently and I get to support them through that. And that's yeah. just, it, well, it's a it's transition so moment and it's a really nice time to reflect and look back, mm -hmm. but also to move forward. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Um, last question, Katie, for you. So many of our listeners are mothers. Mm -hmm. And what role do you think, as my, I mean, as the mother myself of three teenagers, two of which are, are young women, what advice would you give mothers to help their daughters sort of hold this negative self-talk at bay? Mm. Because as you said, it's around us kind of everywhere. Yeah. And what can we do as mothers to really teach some of those skills more proactively? Yeah. To our daughters. So if you are a mother to a child, but yeah. in particular a daughter, you were once a daughter Absolutely. to a mother. I mean, you still you still are. Yeah. And whether that was a, a mother or a mother figure, yeah. you had older women in your life yeah. who were modeling behaviors. It, yeah, like what it meant to be a woman in the world. Yes. And so while I'm I I wear my aunt status with pride, I am not a mother myself. I am a daughter and I'm a granddaughter and I'm a niece and I'm a friend and I believe that the best thing that we can do for our children, our younger generations, for each other is to kind of Turn that advice of treat others how you want to be treated on its head. Yes. And say, well, I know how I want to treat others. Like, I know I want to be a good mother. Yeah. I want to be a good friend. And then getting clear on, like, what it means. How am I being that for myself? Yes. Because we learn. We often ignore that. Yeah. And, and humans learn, like we were talking about, from what we see. It's sort of the, like, don't tell me show me right um saying yeah. and the best thing that we can do is really model what it looks like to be the type of person that we needed when we were younger that's a great great point thank you katie for being with us today oh my gosh you are so welcome this was such a such a joy this was so much fun and thank you for listening Thanks for listening. Please subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a review. Find your ideal coach at www.theidmx.com. Special thanks to our producer, Martin Maluski and singer-songwriter Doug Allen.